Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 186. I'm Killian Vigna. And I'm Zoe Bilal Springer. This week on the show, we're excited to be discussing staff performance, an all time favourite topic, with Helen Ward, co founder and managing director of Richard Ward Hair and Metro Spa, the largest and highest grossing independent salon in the UK. track too much sometimes you can't see the wood for the tree i think it's making sure that you put the the team in control of their own performance and then it actually becomes not your responsibility but you can then take the role of the mentor how can i help you where can we improve you know how can i train you how can i upskill you so that your performance becomes much more in your control just because things are strange and odd and unsure and we can't you know we don't know when this is going to end does not mean that life cannot keep on keep on as it is on the shop floor as of last week england officially went into its second lockdown our thoughts guide to everyone affected and as always we're here to help you in any way any salons experiencing lockdown should have received some communications from us by now with ways to keep your business moving forward, even behind closed doors. With all of this in mind, we wanted to use this episode to focus on a topic of your choice. We noticed our fourth most downloaded Forest FM episode was 130 with Forest's very own Sean O'Sullivan on setting and managing salon staff targets. So we decided to explore this topic further with our special guest today, Helen Ward. In addition to her managing director role at Richard Ward Hair and Metro Spa, Helen is widely acknowledged as one of the industry's go-to business experts. As an educator and lecturer in her sector, she's regularly commented on industry issues for BBC Breakfast, BBC News and ITV's Good Morning Britain, has been writing a must-read column for Professional Beauty magazine for over 10 years, and using her extensive 30 years of industry management experience, is also renowned for conducting private consultancy for salon and spa owners, manufacturers and suppliers. We're very excited and grateful to have her join us on Forest FM today. So without further ado, Helen, welcome to the show. Thanks for accepting the invitation. Hi. Helen, it's good to have you on the show. And you're based in Britain yourself. Considering everything that's gone on the last few days, I think the last recording that we had, we discussed that Ireland had gone into lockdown, Northern Ireland, Wales. We are on six weeks of lockdowns. But you've actually just had a recent announcement yourself. You have gone into, am I right in saying it's a four-week hard lockdown? Is that right? We have, yes. We've got enforced closure again for four more weeks. So um, it's a very, very difficult time. And um, I don't know how it works for the rest of the world, but in the in the UK here, we are... I think that the thing that I find really hard is our sector is not defined enough. And so sometimes we're lumped into retail and sometimes we're lumped into hospitality. Neither of those actually work for us. We need a sector of our own called personal care. Mm. And I think um, this whole year so far has has shown that, you know, we really need to have our own tax breaks and our own rules and our own regs and um, it, it's just we can't we, we, we just can't be lumped in like we have been uh, we've had no tax breaks over here um, we haven't had a cut in our VAT so you know it's been really really hard and now we face being closed for four weeks at our busiest time of the year yeah, it actually reminds me a lot of um, what the British Beauty Council was talking about even earlier this year and, and last year as well. I remember we, we had uh, Millie Kendall at the Salon Owner Summit in January 2020. Jeez, it feels so long ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah doesn't it just? It was yeah. just before lockdown. Gosh, when the world was a different place. Hey, the world was a different place back then. Yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, we have been cam- campaigning as a sector long and hard to get our VAT cut because in Ireland, and I think uh, I might say you have two split rates, one for services and one for goods. And I think that really uh, works quite well. But in the UK, it's a straight, it's a straight 20 percent. And, um, you know, why should we not get the same tax breaks? And for me as well, it doesn't just stop on VAT. 
um, corporation tax, which is which is the tax you pay on your profits if you are a limited company, um, is the same uh, for us as it is uh, for online. So you know we need to have some sort of tax breaks, is so that we have an incentive to still have a shop, you know, bricks and mortar shop. Mm. Um, so yeah. But anyway, we won't get on the soapbox too long because if I start, if I get on my soapbox too long, you won't be able to get me off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Helen, considering like this is actually the second the second lockdown, the first one was pretty much like a shock to the system. It's completely mm. new. I don't think like we wouldn't have seen many salons ever in this position. I'm pretty sure your salon has never been Absolutely. in the position where it was told to shut down. Um, we we have learned a lot since then, like essentially to thrive or survive during a pandemic, you have to move online. How do you feel your salon is positioned now moving into the second lockdown? Are you just shutting down the business completely or have you still managed to find ways to keep business going? Well, you know, it's very difficult because obviously you have to comply. You you know, you have to comply with the rules and regs. Um, I think in the first lockdown, we used it as a as a chance to sort of reset, pause, reboot. I mean, we we have twelve hundred clients a week coming into one site. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I mean, the fact that we have got gone with you guys and use your software and gone cloud based something we would have never had the chance to do uh, because just the thought of changing over with all those appointments booked in would have been a disaster you know it would it, it's just like trying to change your bank isn't it you know everyone says it's easy but actually you just stay with the same bank because you think oh gosh I can't. but the first lockdown gave us a chance to 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 um to use you guys and go cloud-based and that has been unbelievable so we felt very felt very blessed that we had a chance to sort of reflect pause reboot rethink restructure um we we rewrote all our hr and our contracts and, and and we really did get ourselves very much geared up to come back again and then of course july was was mobbed and we had wait lists of 3000 clients it was a fantastic month august then started to decline and the furlough scheme in my view um they made a mistake they should have ended it so that the world had a chance to at least go back to the sort of pre-life that we all knew mm-hmm. um because custom you know it was hot and fun fun shining you know might as well go and sit in the park um and people didn't come back and then we had over here we had the eat out to help out scheme so once again we didn't get anything, uh, any help then. And then September started to, when the R, R rate started to rise again, uh, our customers were scared. I mean, you know, I think there's this sort of, almost the fear overtakes the actual outcome. Um, and, you know, uh, we had so many customers say, oh, I can't come to London because I, you know, I don't want to go in the tubes or the buses and I'm going to catch Well, funny enough, You know, in the last three days, we have done the turnover in three days that we have been doing in two weeks. Wow. Uh, We've done 1,400 customers in three days in one site. That is mental. (laughs) Have your staff essentially just collapsed? (laughs) They have literally just collapsed. I mean, we obviously, we have a, a bar and it is my bar and it's a fully licensed bar. Um, and yeah, I must admit we did have a few jars last night. Um, but yeah, and the customers, well, I, I suppose what we've gleaned from that is, you know, people are not, they're not scared to come in. Um, actually, you know, suddenly out of the woodwork, all they, they all came in in their droves. <laughs> so now what we're going to do for the next month is just uh, concentrate on our social and our Instagram, and we thought it would probably be a really good idea to do some virtual appointments. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't come in, you can't sit in the chair, but hey, have you ever thought about having hair extensions? Have a Zoom with Sonia, our hair extensions expert, and she can talk through your hair, your hair type, see what she could do. She can just, you know, put a few wets in at the back to give you some, some, some uh, depth. 
et cetera, et cetera. So I think we're going to do that. Um, and just hopefully, fingers crossed, that we can open our doors again um, in December. So do you, you plan to kind of keep business moving with the virtual consultations or the video consultations? So you will still be kind of lucky enough to keep some staff hired throughout the next four weeks? Yeah, I mean, look, we all were, you know, we just muck in all of us and we just do what we can to help everything out. I mean, I'll, I'll be going in um, tomorrow to wash all the towels and fold them, um, you know, because we didn't have a chance to get any towels done at the end of the day. Yes, you know, it's grassroots. It's, it, it's you know, you've got to do what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the stats side of things, like when you look at, because we're talking about KPIs today, and, and I think this is like the perfect yeah. segue. I mean, with all these changes, say you were open at the start of the year, then the first lockdown closed, uh, staff on furlough, then you come back, there's loads of appointments all of a sudden, then there's an after the rush kind of period, and then closed again. How do you even go about keeping KPIs on track or, or measuring them? Like, it must be a total nightmare. It is. But I think, to be honest, we, we've always tracked the same five KPIs and they are just our Bible of KPIs. I mean, the thing is, if, if you try and track too much, sometimes you can't see the wood for the tree. So I think it's important for, you know, the staff to also, you know, to, to understand, particularly now, that they have a responsibility, not only to them, but to us, to ensure that they know and understand um, how to interpret the KPIs. And that, you know, just because things are up in the air does not mean that, you know, they don't have to assess uh, how well their, you know, work, work is, is for them. They, they have to, we, you know, when your client numbers are down, I think even more reason to really get on top of the KPIs and make sure the team really understand them. Because each customer that is in their chair, um, you know, it's up to them to optimize every client that sits in their chair. Now we can't, we can't, we can't drag, we can't get customers into the chair. We can't drag them in by the hair and sit them down. I wish we could, <laughs> but and they don't just fall out of the sky into the chair. So if you're teaching your team all the time consistently how to make the most of every client that they have. Um, you almost uh, make your life so much easier. Um, I, I used the example the time of my son when I talk about KPIs. You know, my son is, is 17 and you know, a moody teenager. <laughs> and, you know, he comes home from school and he barely said, you know, Mike, can you make me some breakfast? And I thought to myself, hold on a minute, this is crazy. I've got to teach him how to make his own breakfast. Otherwise, you know, unless he can do it for himself, it's always going to be down to me. And it's very much like that with the staff, you know, teaching them how to optimise what's booked in and, and to fill up their own white space will help them and help you. So, you know, more than ever since we've come back to work, I have focused on the KPIs and gone through them all with the team. Hmm. Um, so it's it's crucial. You know, we we just because things are strange and odd and unsure and we can't, you know, we don't know when this is going to end, does not mean that, um, you know, life cannot keep on, keep on as it is on the shop floor. And it's something we've done. We've been in business 28 years. I've done it the whole time. I've been in business and even before that. Um, so, yeah. I, I, do you know, it's funny. There's this chart that I have been using. Since I was a salon manager, very, very first of all, um, I train. I did train. I did. I do cut hair. I cut my mother's hair, not very well. But I did all my training and I went on the floor and I did fight. So I do understand what it's like to be on the floor. But somebody it was my old boss showed me this chart and and it it's it's a sort of flow chart and I can't wait to actually share this um when when we sort of do some more more things with you guys but 
it, it starts with asking a very critical question, which is, could they do it, i.e. your staff, could they do what you're asking them to do if their life depended on it? And it takes you down two flowcharts. If the answer is no, then it's not knowledge and skill based. But if the answer is yes, it comes down to one word, and that's attitude. Yeah. Um, so I always ask myself that, am I asking them to do something? Um, and then I ask myself, is it important? And then the next question is, yes, yes, of course it is. And then could they do it if their life depended on it? Yes or no. And it really helps you to see the, the wood for the trees because the whole point about KPIs is making sure that we make performance rewarding. And what we must make sure we don't do is make non-performance rewarding. And that's that's a key thing, i.e., if I perform, will I get more or will I get the same as if I don't perform at all? I've stunned you into silence. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to work that out in my brain and it's like for some reason. Can you re-explain that? Yeah, so is performance, i.e., is performance rewarding? Okay. Yeah. I do I do I gain if I perform? Do I gain something? What do I gain? It might be I'm, I earn more or whatever. Yeah. If you gain, then there's an incentive to perform. But if you set your staff up with a pay structure or something like that, where non-performance is equally as rewarding, then there's no incentive to perform. Oh, so it's I mean? actually the opposite. So it's the opposite. So right. in other words, if you paid everyone a basic wage and everybody got the same, and there was once there was stylist A who was fully booked all day long and worked through their lunch break and tried to fit in clients and you know and did everything that you're asking them to do, and stylist B who did two clients and then marked themselves out for lunch and marked themselves out for a cup of tea and left at five when they were due to leave at six o'clock, but they got paid the same. Mm-hmm. then stylist A would have no reason to perform. But stylist B, the, for, for stylist B, the non-performance would be equally rewarding. Yeah, okay. So it's the question to ask yourself is, no, are you making, with your team, non-performance rewarding? That's really interesting, Because yeah. that is not something we can afford to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, it kind of threw me at first, but <laughs> it's essentially, yeah. Stung us into silence was the right expression, yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, if you've had a few jars the night before as well, if you've had the night, a few, few drinks the night before, it's even more of a brain numb, yeah. So with, with that in mind then, when we're thinking about KPIs, like, is it fair to say that KPIs actually give an accurate representation of your staff members? Like, just how much focus should we put on KPIs or should we weigh that with, like, let's say they're not hitting their targets, but they're achieving elsewhere that's not technically under KPIs? How do you balance that? Right. And this is the difficult thing, I think, because sometimes, uh, first of all, let's just go back to what KPIs mean, key performance indicators. So, you know, Making sure, but the, th- the key to the success of, of, of how you gauge your KPIs is making sure that you track the same few things that they all understand, but you track them consistently. I don't keep changing them. So you, they almost grow up as they move through your team, understanding what those five things that you're going to assess their performance on are and how you track them and then how you communicate the performance back to them. So I'm not a big believer in saying, oh, you know, here's a spreadsheet that tells you, you know, how many clients came from, you know, within three miles away and come on a Tuesday. I mean, that that's not, I'm not, that, that hasn't, you know, that we just need to track the same basic five KPIs. But if you look at any of the KPIs individually, they don't give you the true picture. So you need to look at all five and look at them as a whole um, sum of the parts. You know, you need to look at all of them and the answers for the performance will be there somewhere. 
If you can interpret the information correctly, which is where it goes wrong, it's the interpretation of it, then the answers are all there for them and for you. And is it important? Yes, more so uh, now, because people need to be in charge of their own success. I think even more, you know, our team are on a basic pay or a percentage of their net take, and they get whichever is the greater amount. So being in control, there's no cap on that pay. There's absolutely no cap. So, um, you know, all of my team worked really, really hard in the last three days because there's no wage cap. You know, they work from eight to eight. They've fitted clients in everywhere they could because they wanted to maximize their pay because, you know, for the next month, things are going to, you know, things are going to be very tight for them. So I think it's making sure that you put uh, the 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 team in control of their own performance. And then it actually becomes not your responsibility, but you can then take the role of the mentor. How can I help you? Where can we improve? You know, how can I train you? How can I upskill you? So that your performance becomes much more in your control. Okay, so I have this like idea um, and I'm trying to essentially put together an example for for illustrating the interpretation. So um, what I'm saying might not make any sense and you might maybe Mm -hmm. be able to help me put the example together. But um, (laughs) so, for example, you have two staff members and you're looking at let's just put three, uh, three sorts of things just to to make it easier. Right. So like um, number of clients in the week, uh, the amount of time that they spent per client uh, on average, and then say the, let's just say reviews, just because it's going to paint, a, I think, a, a pretty good image. Um, if, say, someone gets a ton of clients, like twice as more than Stylist B, um, spends a whole lot less time with each client, but in terms of reviews, they get maybe uh, less and, and, and maybe a little, like four stars instead of five stars, a little bit more than Stylist B. How how do you interpret that? Like, how do you assess the performance? Does that make sense? Well, it does. So it does completely. But the thing is, what doesn't make sense is is the KPIs you picked. Right. So the, it, the the key is finding the right KPIs to track. So I'll run through them very quickly. The ones that we have always tracked. Okay. One is the turnover of the member of staff. So the turnover, the amount of pounds they're putting in the till. Next is the retail sales. And I'll explain each one um, as as a part of this whole piece. Mm -hmm. So turnover is one. Now, that's going to be based on what they charge. So you've got to compare them against the peers that are in their same price tier, because obviously some of the staff uh, charge more and some of the staff charge less. Retail should be pretty much 10% of what you're asking them to bring in um, on their price tier. So if you're going to say to someone, right, you are a stylist and we want you to take £1,000 a week, your retail should be 10% of that £1,000 on the top, so £100. And then there's three more KPIs that we track. One is the percent request. Now, this this is a, a crucial KPI. This is what percentage of clients are rebooking that stylist by name? Not, oh, I don't mind who I see, but I particularly want to see Joey, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The next one is their occupancy rate. Because actually what we sell, we sell time. And that's what you help us to do is to track our time. We sell time. We don't sell haircuts. We sell time. So what percentage of their day is full? And then lastly, it's their average customer spend, their average bill. Now, you could look at someone who who is running at uh, 100% request and you could say, well, that's fabulous, you know, but how many people did they actually do? If they only did 10 clients in a week and they work five days a week, then they've only done two clients a day. So that request rate would then be false. Also, if a request rate, for example, is too high, what it tells me is there's no new client that are asking for them. 
So that is not necessarily a good thing. Now you could also say, right, someone's hit, hitting stylist B hits their thousand pounds a week, but their retail sales, they don't even come close. Now that would tell me, well, if they're not, if they don't sell anything, then are they conducting the right consultation? Because if they're not conducting the right pre and post consultation, the retail sales will be zero. So that would be a red flag for me. So do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, All these yeah. little red flags come up. Now, occupancy rate, if they're only, we, and we want their occupancy rate to be 70%. So 70% of the time they're occupied, their chair is occupied doing clients. If their occupancy rate is particularly low, that shows me that there's no upsell because they take the two clients the day that they've got booked in, they take what they've got booked in, i.e. that client was a cut and blow dry, and they haven't tried to sell, upsell anything else to that customer. They just accepted what that customer has been booked for and they haven't attempted to upsell because if you're tracking this every week, the picture very quickly builds up. And my red flag is if there's a decline in performance for more than six weeks, it's a red flag to me. So if you've got constantly very high percentage request but very low occupancy rate, it tells me they are dwindling, their customer base is dwindling, and there's no word of mouth new clients that are coming into them. So the experience must be poor. And then I would mystery shop. So they might be achieving their £1,000 a week. But if the rest of the KPIs aren't being hit, eventually the decline will come. So it's learning to interpret all five of those KPIs as a whole picture that is the key to success. But then teaching them to understand how you look and track at those crucial, crucial five KPIs. Because you want them to do it for themselves. You want them to just say, right. Yeah. And you want them to benchmark themselves against their peers. I mean, we have probably six different price tiers. So an apprentice stylist, it's no point them trying to track their performance against a style director who might charge four times more. They need to, you know, you need to compare a pair with a pair, not a pair with a banana. You know, it doesn't work otherwise. So we say just track against the people in your same price tier. And then when you start really outperforming the people in your price tier, We've got a reason to promote you. And if we promote you to the next price tier, you know, you will stay with us. Not only will you stay with us, but you get an instant pay rise because your, your, um, what you can charge will increase, but also the percentage that we pay you will increase. And, you know, when I look at the team over 28 years, and most of them have been with us 10, 15, 20 years and work their way up through the ranks, all I can say is, what we're doing works yeah and 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 i would not change it just because it's almost like gamifying it yeah absolutely because because the now the customer behavior has changed this year that's what's changed the customer behavior has changed yeah that's that's what i was going to say yeah the customer behavior changed so we are yet to find out whether the customer behavior will change back again we don't know we don't know whether people have got used to this new sort of um, sort of lockdown. I'm not going anywhere, so I don't particularly want to. Have my, I don't. I don't need to go in to have my hair done. We don't know. We don't know what, how that's going to pan out. But regardless, you know, it's never been more important to teach the team how to help be masters of their own destiny in terms of what they're earning, how they're performing, what, uh, how they can work their way up through the price tiers, work their way through the ranks. And, you know, if you are one of our senior team, you are turning over, you know, some huge amounts and you will be earning a mm -hmm. direct percentage of those huge amounts and that's why you stay.
So the customer behavior, yeah, that's that's the key now. But but I think it's so important to remind the team that, you know, how to optimize their day has never been more crucial. Yeah. As as part of management, so I, I took down notes of those five KPIs and I'm thinking of specifically with the consumer behavior change mm-hmm. of occupancy rate and average bill. So I'm thinking of just, for instance, my consumer behavior as a, a salon client, right? Yeah. I would have mm-hmm. used to go gone to the barbers every second week, had a steady average bill every time. Mm-hmm. I'm now looking at my behavior uh, post-lockdown and I've been spacing out my appointments but also having a higher average bill so in terms of management when you look at those two specific ones with today's context of that whole change in behavior do you adjust the targets or how do you work that out that's a really interesting question no I don't adjust them well I mean what we know is that before COVID people were leaving it longer between you know the times that they would come in so Back in the day when I was doing my training, you know, people came every six weeks, right? It was religious. That number hadn't changed in years. In 2008, when we had the crisis, um, people then, that, those, that, those stats actually turned themselves around and people were coming um, six times a year, which was every eight weeks. Um, before COVID hit, um, the length of time between appointments was stretched even further, and it was it was actually on set to become every eleven and a half weeks. So in under ten years, mm-hmm. we'd lost coming up to four appointments per customer per year. Hmm. Well, what we did realise was that yes, they were leaving it longer, and part of that on the hairdressing induced the trend for longer hair and ombre and balayage and all that stuff, because you don't, you know, you can get away with not, you know, my heart sinks for every um, young girl I meet that says, oh, yes, I haven't had it done for, you know, nine months, and doesn't it still look great? (laughs) But, you know, unfortunately, that is the trend. Um, But I think even more, I mean, do you know what? We had an e-blast from a customer the other day, and, and, and she's um, a, a friend who's also a customer. She said, Helen, you're missing a trick. She said, you need to remind your customers. This was before the lockdown, friendly. Um, she said, you need to remind your customers that actually, she said, I sat with four of my girlfriends, and she said, we're all Richard Ward customers, and we all love your team and everything that you do. She said, but we, we said... It's not just about our hair. It's not just about our skincare, our nails, our waxing, our facials. It is a place. It's the only place where we come in this awful COVID and anxious world and relieve ourselves from COVID anxiety. We come in and it's as good for our mental health to be with you guys and somewhere where everybody knows us and makes us feel welcome as it is anything else. And that, for me, was really smacked me between the eyes. And I thought, actually, it's true. You know, what we do is so fantastic. We have such a relationship with our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to maybe remind them that it's not just about great hair. And it's about feeling good about yourself. And maybe... You're the experts providing, yeah. Yeah, and somewhere where you feel great and you come out feeling restored. And um, so, I mean, I, you know, yes, the customer behavior has changed, but if they're coming less often, what we want them to do is to experience everything it is that we have. So what we're finding is, yes, people will come less less often, but they will try out, you know, while they're here, I mean, we have just, I'm a great believer in all, all things, you know, uh, acupuncture, spirituality, all of that sort of thing. And I found this amazing girl um, who does chakra cleansing. She's a Reiki master and she does crystal and chakra cleansing. And, you know, wow, these are the sort of things that people will actually, you know, I want to come to the salon. I want to feel good every part of me from head to toe. And I think we're going to see a real upsurge in that 
um, when we come out of this. So, uh, you know, the customer has changed. And, you know, my mantra in business has always been adapt or die. You know, you change with your customer. Your customer isn't going to change for you. So speaking of adapt and die, then, if we were to take it back to the staff targets, which... Not adapt well, and die. I, we want to adapt or die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We don't want to adapt and then die. <laughs> but to take it back to the staff targets, and maybe not as extreme or as adapt uh, or die, sorry, or die. <laughs> we will work you to the bone. Um, yeah, yeah. If someone's not hitting those targets, how, like, what processes do you put in place to kind of nurture them? Because you said that your targets aren't five unique specific areas. They're actually set around being, giving you a holistic view. So if they're flagging or if one area is flagging, it means it's going to have a knock-on effect on other areas. So without, I suppose, pulling someone aside and going, you're lacking there, let's pick up the pace or get it sorted. Like, do you do you implement like a buddy system, or how do you teach them to kind of improve on that? Then, yes, um, we we t- first of all, the most important thing to teach them is that it's their responsibility to improve. End of. It's their responsibility to improve. We can do. We can hold their hand. We can mentor them. We can um, upskill them. We can retrain them. We can do virtual consultations. We can do role play. We do everything, all of the above, but it's their responsibility to talk to us and agree an action plan and work out, you know, where are the bits that we need to improve and how do we do it? And very often what's fantastic about having a team that's been with you for such a long time and trying to cultivate a team that that have trained with you and come up through the ranks, the best thing about that is the elders want to train the new blood and the new flesh and take them under their wings. So we absolutely do that. And when someone first goes on the floor and starts doing clients, you know, we will make sure there is someone that they feel they're very comfortable with. But I mean, I have to say something else. One of the things about our brand is that we 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 do not believe that that for us, it doesn't work for any of our team to be a jack of all trades. Okay, they have to specialize in something. And naturally, their speciality will rise to the fore, uh, to the fore, because when you've got 100 staff, what you can't have is 100 flavors of vanilla, right? You can't have 100 (laughs) vanilla ice creams. You need to say, Right. If you're concerned about hair loss or uh, losing your hair through the menopause, we have an expert for you. If you're if you're if hair extensions is your your concern, we have an extra expert for you. If coarse hair is something uh, that you're concerned about, we have someone for you. If you if you've got if you want to you know try bright pink stripes in your hair, we have someone for you. If you want very fine. Um, you know, um, lights through your hair. We have someone for you. So it, all of our team on our on our team profile page on the website have to state what their specialities are. And then, um, you know, I I believe that you know when you go to school, if you look back on your school days, um, you always like the thing that you're best at. For me, it was English. Um, Terrible at maths, funny enough, but English. <laughs> I mean, I can work. I could work out percentages. I could tell you what twenty pounds, twenty uh, percent off a pair of shoes is in a heartbeat. But it's different when you put a currency symbol before it, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I remember my son when he was about five, and I was trying to teach him math, and, and he's very, very sharp, my son, but not academic. Yeah, so he said. And he uh, and I was trying to teach him math. And when I just got some, my purse out and put some coins on the table, he said, "Mummy, why didn't you tell me maths is money?" <laughs> I get it now. <laughs> so I'm a bit like him when it comes to that. But I, I, you know, you know, if you're good at something, then you enjoy doing it. And if you enjoy doing it, you're good at yeah. it. So instead of trying to correct everybody's bad bits and make them perfect. You know, I spent 20 years saying to every client when they phoned up, when they asked, oh, who's your best stylist? I used to say, oh, they're all good. Now I say, no, they're not all good. They're all good at different things. 
what is it you want? It's yeah. a personalised journey, isn't it? It's creating a journey for them. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So there was something you said earlier, and I noticed the one particular word. Um, you said agree on an action plan. And I think that's really interesting that yes. you used that particular word because I think there's a huge difference between agreement and expectations. And while expecting someone to hit a target or getting good grades at school, for instance, and stuff like that, it might seem natural. But when you get a staff's buy-in or, or them to agree on an action plan, they're naturally going to feel it's more collaborative and motivating in general. Absolutely. You're spot on. And, you know, I have a trick for this. Um, I So when... We agree an action plan. We agree. We we agree a really. Um, I I let them tell me what they think they could achieve. So I say, okay, you're currently say running at fifty percent request rate, and you know you should be running at seventy. Mm-hmm. So what what where do you where would you like to see yourself in three months' time? And they'll say, I'd like to see myself at eighty percent. And I say, I tell you what. Why don't we say that we'll agree then that you'll be at 65% in two months' time and 70% in three months' time? So I always go less than what they think they can do. Because once they tell you that they think they can do something, and if li- any of my team are listening to this, I'm busted <laughs> now. But uh, once they tell you that they think they can do something, you know, then if you decrease what they think they can do, then the action plan is really, really fair. So I think that's a really key thing. And also to give them timeframes that are really achievable. You know, it's pointless saying to someone, right, you're turning over a thousand pounds, but you're supposed to be turning over 3,000 pounds. I'd like to be turning over 3,000 pounds by this time next week. You know, they're not going to do it. So I just think making it baby steps. You want to keep it attainable. You know, so I've got this, this this wonderful new quote, which I love, which is forward is forward, whatever the speed. You know, as long as you're moving in the right direction, forward is forward. Yeah. You might not be going quite as fast as you want to be, or you might not get to where you want to be as quickly as you want to, but forward is forward. So I think that's the key of showing them that, you know, any bit of progress is good. And, you know, we'll hold your hand and we'll do everything we tell you to do. But you won't be surprised to understand or to, to learn. You know, I, I do give a bit of short shrift to people. But, you know, we're mentoring you. We've given you all the skills. We've put the client in your chair, you know, and now you haven't done anything that we've told you to do. Then that's not acceptable. I think it's actually a great reminder for everyone who's in lockdown, even working on their business or like doing a reset and refocus now during these four weeks or, or you know, setting up an online store or anything like that. You know, forward is forward, even in that sense. Forward is forward. This is, oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> I fall in love with little quotes like that and I, I, they just sit in my yeah. mind all day and it's good. So Helen, then just kind of coming near the end of the show, just how transparent are you? Oh God, I with... could go on forever. Should we carry on? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can always make this a two, three part, four part. Oh, a series, yeah. Um, just how transparent are you with not only your staff members' KPIs? So when you set KPIs with an individual staff member, do the rest of your team know each other's KPIs but also then to take it back oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah. okay oh yeah 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 because we're very transparent well in that case what about about the business about our KPIs you know what we need to hit well yeah that was my other other part of it is like how transparent are you of your own KPIs so do your team know what expectations you have of yourself and of your business yes absolutely they know how much we need to take they know how much the rent is. They know uh, what what percentage I'm after for my gross profit. What percentage I'm after for my net profit. Uh, they might not. They might not digest it or properly understand it. Some of them, um, which I wouldn't expect them to. But um, yeah, we're very transparent. I mean, you know, a pound goes in the till. Twenty p goes out for VAT. So you've got eighty p left. If mm-hmm. you're lucky, you're making 10% of that 80p, so it's 8p left. Uh, you've then got to pay corporation tax on that 8p. 
which is 20%. So another 20% comes off. That's 1.6p gone. So that's 6.4p left. And then if you want to take that out as an owner of the business, you're going to then pay higher rate income tax on that dividend. So, you know, there's got to be an incentive for us. And our incentive at the moment is just to stay afloat. We're yeah. not, we've told all of our team, we don't expect to make any profit whatsoever. And that's fine because you can live without profit. You can live without it. Um, my godfather owns a really big furniture company. And um, he, he, he's, him and my dad are very, very close. And he, my dad is a businessman as well. And, you know, and he always says to me, profit is vanity. Sorry, turnover is vanity, profit is sanity. Um, but you can live without profit. You know, it's like having cancer. What you cannot live without any business is cash flow. Yep. If you're trying to survive without cash flow, that's like having a cardiac arrest. Uh, so, I mean, when you look at it like that, the team will know, you know, it, it, it's all of our responsibility to make sure the business survives this. And we will do whatever we have to do. Uh, I was washing up a pile of tint bowls yesterday, um, sweeping up, you know, doing the towel. It doesn't matter. We do what we have to do. We get through. But, you know, they also have to do what they have to do. And what I won't accept at the moment is crappy consultations. I haven't got time to do a proper consultation. Well, I'll, I'll skip that for the last three days. But, I mean, <laughs> you know, before that, you know, no. Uh, you know, if we ask a client on the way out, so have you been given the right advice on, you know, your hair's texture, density, the health of your scalp? X, Y, and Z, and they get told we haven't even had a conversation. No, that's not acceptable. You know, it's very frustrating. We live in a world where customers will come in, they'll take our advice, and they'll blatantly in front of us uh, go on their phones, look online, and say, oh, that's fantastic. I've just ordered that, um, what you just told me that I need. You know, so we've had to learn we've, what we've started in the last few weeks is a price match. Uh, you know, we will price match where we can, anything that you buy in the salon, not online, but in the salon. So in other words, before you leave, don't buy it from, you know, one of the sites, buy it from us and, you know, you'll get, we'll price match it and you take it away there and then. And that's been really helpful. That's been really good. So I just think again, you know, we're in such uncertain times and we're, we're still in the eye of this storm. And, you know, as I said right from the beginning, the only thing that's, that is certain is that nothing is certain. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So we've just got to be adaptable. The way we think has got to be, you know, being able to scale up, scale down, go with customer trends, adapt or die. You know, we have to change the way we think. We cannot be set in a mindset where we are, where we're not prepared to change. Yeah. Well, listen, Helen, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, truly enjoyed that conversation personally. I'm sure Killian can attest to that too. Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> Yeah. If anyone um, wanted to reach out to you, because you do have uh, some live education, coaching, consultancy, uh, yes. you do some speaking in seminars as well. So where can people find you online and how can they reach out to you? They can find me at www.helenward.com. Helenward.com, that's an interesting thing about um, IP. You know, I have so many brands come to me and say, well, what should we call ourselves? And it's like, just call yourself your name. People will find you. <laughs> Helenward.com, two L's. And uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Let's do it again. Thank you so much for being on the show, Helen. Yeah, thank you. Hey, guys, Zoe. And Killian here. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and things are changing fast. This is a short reminder for you to stay safe and on top of all the latest and factual news. Your starting point should be your governing health services website. Forest Salon Software has also a variety of business resources available. Check out our Help Juice page, the Forest Academy Learning Portal, our personal and business resilience strategies for salon owners at forest.com forward slash salon hyphen lockdown, the Forest blog and podcast, and our multiple on-demand webinar recordings at forest.com forward slash resources. And one last thing. 
Don't, Don't be scared. Be prepared. Moving on now to the Inside Forest section, we have two brand new Forest Academy courses. The first one is a very US-specific course as it's a brand new Forest Chat text conversations with your clients feature and course. Forest Chat gives salon businesses a new and unique opportunity to engage in real, personalized conversations with their clients in a sleek and modern chat thread. This course will show you how to make salon bookings, new procedures and appointment confirmations more efficient, Initiate conversations with clients via SMS that opens an opportunity for real replies and human chat at a time when it's needed more than ever. And finally, it'll show you how to engage in real, personalized conversations with your clients in a sleek and modern chat thread in Forest Go. This course is self-taught and takes less than 10 minutes to do. The second course we have is Increase Your Holiday Season Revenue and it's open to all regions. This short course is designed to share some thoughts and ideas for you and your salon to generate some extra revenue regardless of whether you're open or closed. On that note, we've included two things you can do while you're closed to move your pre-Christmas rush online this November and deepen the relationships with your clients. By the end of this course, you'll be able to generate revenue from gift sets on your new online store and keep cash flow coming in with the online gift vouchers. This course is a self-talk course taking about 15 minutes and it's two main videos. If you have any queries or need help accessing the courses, just email forestacademy at forest.com. Now we understand this might be a very uh, tough time for a lot of people. So if you need a bit of headspace, we do have some meditations for salon owners on our IGTV channel. So on on Instagram, so if you go to uh, our Instagram account at Forest Salon Software and hit the little IGTV channel, you'll see six meditations that you can use. Again, we strongly recommend if you just need a bit of a breather. Uh, one last thing before we sign off, you can always head over to forest.com forward slash FM and subscribe to to our show's email newsletter, get all the updates and resources delivered straight to your inbox weekly on Wednesdays. On that note, that's all we got for this week. But as always, if you want to share your thoughts on Forest FM or this episode specifically, have any questions for Helen, um, send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, stay safe and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners Podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.